0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: Hello and welcome in to another episode of the Future Socks podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, but first, let me introduce myself. My name is Mike Rankin. Thanks so much for tuning in. Alongside... James Fox as well. James, always a pleasure, my friend. But today we have a guest. It is Janice at Baller Librarian on Twitter. She writes for Southside Sox as well as Southside Pen. Janice, thanks so much for jumping on.
2: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
1: So I want to I wanna kick things off with you first because we're going to be welcoming, welcoming on a lot of these White Sox personalities to our podcast. And it's so interesting the different paths we all take to get to this point where we are now as, as consumers of baseball, but especially White Sox baseball. So my first question to you is, Janice, what is it that got you into baseball at the very beginning, as well as why are you a Sox fan?
2: Yeah, I've been a Sox fan for quite a while. Uh, I think my earliest White Sox memory was probably 1993, so a lot of... Um, players uh, from that team uh, certainly come come to mind and yeah it's kind of just been hereditary um, my dad was a Sox fan uh, my grandpa was a Sox fan so essentially I kind of had to follow suit and yeah I've been following the team um, admittedly very on and off uh, just throughout my uh, my lifespan and I actually uh, worked for the team while I was in college I was um one of uh, the gift shop attendants, and uh, that definitely gave me uh, an interesting perspective on uh, kind of the day-to-day operations that kind of go behind the scenes at the park every day. Uh, That was a really great career experience for me as well, because that's kind of when I thought about uh, journalism. Um, I was a a journalism major in college, uh, so... Uh, I kind of tinkered with the idea of possibly, like, eventually writing about the socks. Uh, but, of course, like, for whatever reason, I didn't think it was accessible to me. I was like, ah, oh, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. Uh, so I ended up graduating uh, with a library degree uh, after I got my journalism degree. Uh, and, yeah, uh, kind of uh, bounced around careers for a little bit. And, uh, yeah, now I'm actually uh, uh, putting that dream uh, to the test and kind of uh, analyzing and writing about the socks uh, to this day, which is uh, really cool.
1: So, you're contributing to Southside Socks and Southside Hit Pen. What drew you to those sites, and what is it that inspires you to create this kind of content?
2: Uh, it was actually the editor of Southside Socks, uh, Southside Hit Pen, uh, Brett Ballantini, I believe. The origin story was that uh, he saw me fighting with with a Royals fan on Twitter, weirdly enough. And he just approached me and said that my arguments were good, that my passion was there, uh, and kind of asked, like, hey, have you ever considered writing about baseball? And I was like, yeah, sure. About 10, 15 years ago, I thought about it, but never really did anything with it. So... Uh, that's when I decided to, yeah, actually do the thing. Uh, And, yeah, it's something I don't regret and something I genuinely enjoy doing.
3: Yeah, you're a colleague. It's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, very (laughs) awesome. So one of the things that we want to do with this whole podcast series is just kind of ask, with the big league team, you know, expecting to be good, how is that going to change, like, your minor league experience? So I guess, you know, with, with the changing times at the big league level, Will will that change your consumption of minor league baseball or not really?
2: I definitely will pay more attention, I feel. Um, I, at this point, uh, I, admittedly, I have been kind of casually following uh, the minors. I, I will pay attention to what Charlotte's doing every now and then, but nothing too in-depth. Um, like I, I don't voraciously follow prospects as much as I think I should. And, um, to give like just the minors credit, um, I-, I lived away from Chicago for a handful of years. So while living in Austin, Texas and San Antonio, Texas, I went to a bunch of, uh, round rock express games as well as uh, San Antonio missions games. Uh, and again, it was definitely something that was a lot more casual, a lot of like, Oh, you know, you may see these guys in the majors someday, but, uh, I didn't really think about it much at the time. And I think now, because I'm kind of looking at things with a little bit more of an analytical lens, I feel as if uh, I will absolutely pay more attention to the miners now.
1: So with that being said, what specifically are you paying attention to in the miners? I know you mentioned AAA, and of course, that's the the last step. And for a lot of these casual consumers, just keeping an eye on AAA is, is valuable. But beyond that, what are you looking for now that you're sort of making it an effort to pay attention to minor league baseball?
2: Uh, Just uh, certain prospects in particular and kind of uh, following career paths and kind of uh, where they are, uh, how they're improving, uh, what they're working on, uh, just to skim the surface a bit.
1: So we have two in particular, right, that we're kind of following as spring training gets started here, and that's Nick Madrigal and Michael Kopech. We feel collectively that, hey, these guys are pretty much ready. Where do you stand on both Kopech and Madrigal at this point?
2: I feel as if they are both ready. Uh, I was really excited for Kopech last year, uh, for sure. Uh, Madrigal, I believe, yeah, is, is definitely ready. Um, he seemed as if he was ready, too, uh, when I saw him speak at SoxFest. Um, uh, yeah, just really excited to, uh, t- to see him. Uh, ho- yeah, hopefully he's, uh, he's ready.
1: Let's talk about the big league club real quick, just to stay on the topic, because Rick Hahn was very active this offseason, and James and I talked about it a lot. When Zach Wheeler, that deal that we thought was in place and was done, fell apart, Rick Hahn had to make a little bit of a, of a left turn, and the next move that was made was trading for Nomar Mazzara. Now, I'm sure, Janice, you saw all the outrage Uh, across White Sox Twitter. Oh, was
2: part of it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You you
1: (laughs) took
3: part, I think. Yeah.
1: And right. And rightfully so we can, we can understand that. So let's stop right there. What was it about that move at the time that, that created such emotion following what we learned?
2: Uh, I just think, uh, everyone's feelings were still a little bit sore, uh, from the Wheeler deal falling through and, it just seemed that the immediacy of the Mizara deal uh, seemed like a crappy consolation prize. Uh, and given the offseason history the White Sox have had, I believe just the current mood at the time was that they were just completely done then and there. That they were uh, just going to acquire Grandall acquire Mizara, and that's it. Like that, that was pretty much going to be all we'd see for the rest of the off-season. Uh, So that's probably where a lot of the snark and a lot of the anger and a lot of the jokes came from. So uh, I I admit, like, I I definitely will not uh, turn down an opportunity to make a crack at the front office. (laughs) Uh, Out of good nature, out of good Uh nature, definitely. Uh, But yeah, I remember. I remember that, yeah, everyone was just generally uh, not pleased.
1: (laughs) Then it turned into what happened later on and where we stand now. Uh, Dallas Keuchel landed. And we have a lot of, of course, optimism. And you mentioned Yes Grandal. Edwin Encarnacion comes a little bit later. How do you feel about the White Sox right now as we stand?
2: Oh, I, I feel very good. Uh, <laughs> and that might be an understatement. I think when the Keuchel deal was announced, I, I honestly couldn't believe it. I, I thought I was being trolled. Uh, And I think I might have started a a Twitter thread of like just unbelievable reactions that, oh, the White Sox um, actually got Keichel, but not to mention a Boris client too, which everyone was saying would never happen. And so they kind of set the tone of, uh, yeah, the White Sox are doing things that no one thought that they would do. And so I think that the, the, the entire mood of the fan base kind of switched right after that happened. And uh, especially after Encarnacion ca- came on, everyone was like, dang, we might actually have a chance. This is, ex- this is new. This is exciting. Wow.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, that whole like two week period, I guess, like, I guess like, well, they signed Grandel so early and then everybody freaked out about the Mazzara thing. I mean, I, I've said that, if they would have just signed Grandal at the winter meetings, I feel like everybody would have been in a much better mood, but then it took so long to make the next move. And then obviously the next move was Nomar Mazzara, which everybody was mad about. Um, you were talking about how happy you were when they signed Keichel. I was like almost relieved when they signed Keichel. I was like, <laughs> oh, thank, thank God. Like, I don't, you know, we don't have to like do this on Twitter anymore. Like they actually signed players. So that was good. I've, I've said that the Yasmani Grandall move might be the best free agent signing in franchise history and, you know, people have pushed back with Carlton Fisk and whatever, like, I don't really care. I wasn't alive. So you, you might be, you might be a bigger Yasmani Grandal fan than me. So why don't, why don't you share with us just like how you felt about that move and how you still do to this day? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Uh, So to give some background, I am, I, I also regard myself as a Milwaukee Brewers fan. I went to college in Milwaukee, so they kind of adopted me. So I consider them my second team. So I followed Grandal's career pretty closely last year, and uh, he was just marvelous. Uh, he was a great leadoff hitter um, for the Brewers. Uh, he kind of led the Brewers in uh, in September, especially after Yelich went down with that knee injury. Uh, and the whole temperature of the fan, of the Brewers fan base, was, "Oh yeah, we're definitely going to re-sign Grandal. We're going to re-sign Grandal," and I was all for it. Uh, until I heard that the White Sox signed him. And I honestly couldn't believe it. Um, I was at work when I heard the news and I had to lock myself in a bathroom uh, to kind of process this information. Mm -hmm. Uh, And yeah, I come out of the bathroom and my coworker was like, was that you screaming in there? (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice. It's like no, of course not. Me scream at work, never, never. Uh, now I had to come clean though and explain that uh, something important happened in baseball, hence uh, why I had to kind of take a few moments to collect myself.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think you represent a lot of Sox fans in the way you felt there, right? I mean, wherever you are, you can't you can't help but allow the the emotions to flow. Uh, and I think that's the beauty of how invested we all are in in the game, and especially considering the White Sox. Uh, so, what, 2008, last time they made the playoffs? This is, uh, this is starting to get real. And there's a lot of players, obviously, on the Major League roster that are there for the Sox to contend, to help them com- contend. Then you look at the minor league side of things, and we're releasing our top 30 here this week. And you see that James puts together a just missed piece. And there's 20 prospects on the just missed on the top 30. So you talk about 50 prospects here that are worth mentioning. I feel like this is almost at the peak of Sox fandom over the last decade or so. Would you agree?
2: Oh, absolutely. I, I don't think I've been this excited for this team in a long while.
1: And I have something too. Um, and I just I went through Southside Hitpen and you talked to Brett Ballotini and you were in Sox Fest. I just came across this podcast. Uh, what what kind of vibe was it there when you were when you were amidst the crowd uh, of Sox Fest this year?
2: It was uh, very electric, to say the least. Um, just uh, the energy that everyone had was definitely contagious. Uh, it was like really fantastic to meet uh, some of the people that I've been talking to online f- about the White Sox for uh, so long. So James, I met. Uh, and a lot of my other uh, Southside Hit Pen colleagues. Uh, yeah, and we all kind of shared this sort of camaraderie and uh, a mutual excitement with uh, where the team is headed. Um, I also got to chat with Tim Anderson for a smidge, and that was just beyond cool, uh, to say the least. And uh, yeah, just from what I can tell from uh, some of the things that the players were saying, that the fans were saying, that it was all just very, very positive. And uh, I didn't get a chance to uh, give Rick Hahn a high five, uh, but (laughs) he was also a very popular guy at SoxFest. He was getting lots and lots of uh, well-deserved positive attention, and uh, good for him, definitely good for him.
3: Janice, had you been to SoxFest as a fan before this year?
2: Yes, and I actually have not attended since the Hyatt days. Uh, okay,
3: so, so it's been yeah, a so it, while. And it, it's obviously it's been a lot different than it was this year. This year was so much different. It was at that venue, which made it different. But like everybody was happy, which was super strange. Like it's it's really <laughs> not usually like that. So like the years that I've gone to Sox Fest, like writing at Future Sox you know, we'd go and see Nick Hostetler, like try to hear one of the prospect talks or whatever, but the major league seminars and stuff were always just an absolute train wreck. Cause people are just so mad. <laughs> I almost felt like out of place this time.
2: Yeah. 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 Um, I, I do remember that, uh, one of uh, my former, uh, colleagues, uh, Kat Garcia, she asked Rick Han some sort of awkward question at la- last Sox fest. And, uh, there was a lot of tension built up there, uh, <laughs> But yeah, definitely kind of a a switch flipped somehow. And yeah, everyone was definitely a lot happier this year.
3: How different was it being a credentialed member this year?
2: Oh, it was very different. Um, I did not get a lot of time to prepare mentally, uh, honestly, Uh, just mainly because I wasn't sure if I was going to uh, get the credential or not the ability to talk to some of the players a little more casually, as opposed to just talking to them, you know, as a fan, Uh, I definitely got to dive beneath the, oh, um, I've been following you for a while, and I hope you have a great year this year. I actually kind of got to flex um, my interview muscle and kind of ask questions that I normally would not have the time to ask. Uh, So for my Tim Anderson interview, uh, it definitely got kind of off the rails in a good way in a little bit. Uh, We ended up chatting about uh, professional basketball in the Philippines. And it was just, uh, yeah, kind of cool to get to know him a little better. And he actually put me at ease. I was incredibly just nervous out of my mind to approach him. And uh, yeah, he was the one kind of like interviewing me after a while, which was super cool.
1: It sounds like uh, you had a positive experience, of course, with that opportunity. And, and I wanted to ask you this, you know, being a woman in White Sox, MLB, and just sports media in general. Of course, we're seeing this platform grow considerably, and we're seeing more and more females getting involved and contributing. And we have one as our Winston-Salem correspondent, Julie Brady. She's been outstanding over the last two seasons. She'll be back. Uh, and we've had women contribute to Southside Pen in the past. What does it mean to you to be a part of this group now and consider yourself you know, this this media figure and representing yourself and women?
2: It's really fantastic. And like I said before, um, when I was growing up in college, I had a lot of self-doubt, a lot of, no, I can't do this, and uh, no, this isn't for me. And it kind of took... Uh, get, at least just knowing people actually read the, the stuff I write uh, to kind of um, like be more confident and put myself out there more, um, especially being a woman of color. Uh, there's even fewer of us out there talking about sports and kind of uh, putting ourselves out there. Uh, and it, it's really inspiring uh, just to hear someone say, hey, I understand this better because of you or um, I'm really glad that there's someone that looks like me that's talking about this, or I'm really glad that there's someone who looks like me that loves the White Sox as much as I do. James, do you have anything else for Janice?
3: Uh, no, other than, you know, other than me seeing her push Scott Merkin out of the way at SoxFest, I think, oh no, I'm just joking. But um, <laughs> did that happen? <laughs> it sh- it should have happened.
2: Uh, I was about to say, did that happen?
3: I it should have happened, happened if it didn't.
2: Yeah, oh, um, Scott I, Scott I, that would... Take a couple of uh, White Sox Golden Ales in, or- in order for that to happen, I think.
3: <laughs> golden Ale was pretty good, actually.
2: So. Yeah, it really was. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I look forward to having uh, a couple at the ballpark this season.
3: We
1: appreciate you jumping on and, and taking some time to talk with us here at Future Sox. Uh, you can find Janice's work on Southside Sox and Southside Hitpen. Follow her at Baller Librarian. That's that's a pretty good Twitter ad, uh, if I do say <laughs> so myself.
0: Thank um, you. Scott.
1: So yeah. Final thoughts before we let you go. Uh, what is your ultimate opinion now as we're set for spring training? What are you feeling about the White Sox? How do you feel they will finish the season? I know this is early, but why not throw it out there?
2: Absolutely. Um, well, tomorrow, tomorrow is uh, when pitchers and catchers report. Uh, so I'm looking forward to all of the media posts, uh, hopefully uh, from Scott Merkin in particular And, uh, yeah, I feel as if, uh, we're probably going to defy all the projections. Everyone's keeps saying that we'll finish in third, uh, that we'll end up with an 88 win season and still finish at third. I I think we'll surpass that. That, that is my hot take is that if, yeah yeah, shoot, let's just take the division. Um, (laughs) why (laughs) not? Why not?
1: Janice, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much for jumping out with us.
2: Thank you, James. Thank you, Mike.
1: Thanks, Janice.